Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. Today I'm joined by Corinne and Kristen from the studio in New York. The pair work for a world-renowned healthcare and advertising agency, Area 23, a business which aims to dismantle the barriers that stand in the way of true innovation. Their project C-Sound has a goal of providing sound equality for the 466 million people worldwide who are currently deaf or hard of hearing. The world's first smart home hearing system provides users with much needed situational awareness, especially in times of danger. When the sound occurs, C-Sound uses its YouTube database to make a prediction of what the sound is and then alerting the user on their devices. Welcome Corian and Kristen. Hey. Hi, nice to be here. Yes, yeah, cool. It's really good to ca- catch up with you. And it's so exciting to be doing these series of podcasts with DNAD on the Impact Awards. And you two were uh, one of the winners, which is really cool. Yeah, really honored. How did the idea come about? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Big question. So, Chris, yeah, Kristen here. Uh, the idea came about from an insight that I had shared with my partner. Um, just so a little background, Corinne and I were art and coffee partners and the agency we work for encourages, uh, encourages creatives to um, find true human insight and solve problems with that insight. Um, so the insight that I brought Corinne was, you know, based around how, um, Living at home um, with my husband, who's deaf, uh, it's, it occurred to me that the only times I'm reminded of his deafness is in moments when he's completely unaware of a sound occurring. Um, I mean, this could be like any kind of sound. So it could be like the doorbell ringing or me crying because I stubbed my toe or me, you know, violently ill in the bathroom and could really use some help. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it seems like a, a problem that could be solved, um, especially when you look at a lot of smart home technology and how, you know, that's becoming a much more common household product and how it's integrating in everybody's houses. Um, and yet it totally underserves an entire demographic of people that can't hear. So from my point of view, it just seemed like, you know, there was like a missed opportunity with having like smart products not really working as hard as they could be. And there'd be millions of people around the world that would benefit from this, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there's like, I don't know, I can't remember what the stat was, but there's like, you know, a few million deaf people throughout the world. Yeah, there's, and Yeah, there's 466 million deaf people globally. And, you know, obviously this product can benefit people way outside um, the deaf population itself, you know, obviously goes all the way into the hard of hearing, the elderly, the veterans, you know, there's the the Mm -hmm. kind of list goes on and on and on. Most likely, you know, somebody who suffers from hearing loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's an incredible uh, observation. It's it's amazing that hasn't been done prior. Yeah, I mean, that's. It, it was like a, a bit of a moment of like, how could this not be done? Because it just seemed like a pretty simple solution. Um, so after our research and we didn't see anything that was, you know, focusing on the home, we did see some other like technology that was sort of solving the problem, but it really, in you know, our opinion and based off of, you know, our friends feedback, we're also deaf, like it didn't, actually like integrate with their lifestyle so we saw like a lot of wearable devices um mostly wearable devices honestly that just didn't really uh it didn't really like fit in with their lifestyle um so on a personal level i mean it was it what was the final was the final straw you kind of barfing alone in your partner not being aware (laughs) of it or was he frustrated that he wasn't aware of of what was going on I mean, I, th- I think the, my like, you know, moment of like realizing that this is like very serious was, you know, one night like we're sleeping and, uh, the shelving in our bedroom, like totally collapsed. It sounded like a car wow. driving through our, our wall. It was 
very traumatic for me. Like mm. it, you know, obviously I woke up, I'm like freaking out cause I'm tired and delusional and trying to like understand why my entire wall is on the ground and trying to like get my husband to wake up. And you know, he's like completely on a different page. And mm. that was like a moment of like, Holy shit. If, you know, if this was like a real life, life and death scenario, I, I would be struggling yeah, with yeah. getting his attention. Yeah. It? And I think, you know, to add to Kristen's point here, I think, you know, some of these conversations began mostly kind of like complaints and casual conversations between me and Kristen, where she would come in and regale stories of things that had happened. And I think one of the days which just kind of clicked with us of like, Hey, like, why does it have to be someone else to solve this for us? Why can't it be us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, to Kristen's point as well, um, everything right now is single use. So yeah, is there technology on the market that does do sound recognition? Absolutely. That's a huge booming industry that's only growing as the years kind of continue here, mm-hmm. but they're all single sound, right? You can potentially get something for your doorbell. You can get something for your baby monitor, but you can't get a device that does it all. So you have to spend a bunch of different monies in a bunch of different places to get mm-hmm. these I- items. And essentially they don't even connect to each other, which is frustrating as it is. But then all of a sudden you have this industry of smart home devices kind of running parallel for the you know general public that is taking off and they look sleek and they're awesome and they do so much for you. Um, but I think when we kind of got down to form factor, not only did we see on the market that there was wearables out there, that there's these kind of single use devices, um, but it was important for us to kind of really hit the two main um, things that we felt were the barriers. Um, not only, obviously, there's the single-use devices that are out there, right? But why hadn't the product been been developed, right? And I think two of those reasons was the interface design for the community, right? We're mm-hmm. looking at smart home systems that are auditory-based and voice-controlled. They simply aren't accessible to the deaf community at all. Yeah. Um, and there's no way for them to visualize the sort of communication that occurs between the device and the user. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second was, you know, the massive technological barrier behind all of the sound clips. And I think once we kind of realized, you know, at first we thought, oh, my God, do we have to mine all this data ourselves? Are we going to have to kind of dig through and kind of catalog our, you know, on our own? And, you know, we were very fortunate to kind of have this epiphany of like, it's YouTube, right? It's YouTube and it's, you know, the Google audio set that allows us to get all of this data and make it possible in a way that, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, potentially even there wasn't enough data or information for us to be able to actually make this product a reality. Wow. So how does it then work? I mean, how, how does it kind of pull out the, the data from YouTube and then what, what is it? It says, oh, it's called C-Sound. Um, but what do you see? Is this, is this on the actual, on a device that it tells you there's a baby crying or door slamming? Does, this, does the so, thing you see on the wall, is it, there's a device on the wall too, isn't there? Like, that, that lights up, is that right? So uh, on the surface level, the, the way you interact with this product is you plug it into the wall and it recognizes specific sounds. Mm-hmm. And, and we've categorized a bunch of sounds that we feel are important to be aware of within the home. And once it hears that sound, it sends a notification to the user, um, to their various smart devices that they have in their home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will let Corinne talk in more <laughs> detail about how like the, the actual like sound recognition technology works. Mm. Um, again, copywriter has all the words. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, there's so much that goes behind it. And I mean, thank you, Kristen, but I, I don't think I can even speak to it justice, you know, um, to kind of speak to all of the tech that goes into it. We were so fortunate, I think, along the way to work with some amazing developers, you know, amazing IP that helped us structure and build this project. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have done, you know, an idea is nothing without the team that's there to sort of work through it and work through the kinks. And so, you know, we needed everybody at the end of the day to make it happen. Um, but technology wise, you know, we didn't just want one system. It's not necessarily helpful to know that a sound occurred in your home. You also need to know where it occurred. Um, because you want to act on it in the fastest way possible. So uh, what it does is the C-Sound device, as Kristen mentioned, not only tells you the sound, but it also tells you the location of where the sound occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's based on the proximity of the sound to the device itself. Mm-hmm. So we, there's kind of, you know, not only does it report sound, but we also take into account duration. So mm-hmm. for instance, a lot of times in homes, running water is a big problem. People will um, turn the water on, leave the room, and then forget that they turned it on. For instance, your classic filling the bathtub scenario, right? 
Um, but when you don't hear it, when you don't have that auditory cue, you might not think to go back. So for instance, with water, you don't necessarily want to be notified every time, you know, the water's been running for a little bit of time or every couple of minutes, right? So even our sounds are kind of built in from a duration standpoint as well to make sure that, you know, we're not over-reporting or we're not becoming a nuisance. So, you know, there is a little bit of user um, thought and user design in that as well. Mm-hmm. But um, from a tech standpoint, we essentially take, you know, over 2 million um, YouTube sound clips that were, you know, annotated, analyzed, categorized into um, a larger sound groupings that we essentially funnel into our app. Um, and when the sound comes in, it's going to come in and it's going to report with um, a level of confidence. So I could give you some buzzwords here that some tech people might know, um, but essentially how it does it is it turns the sound into an image. And then it basically compares that image to other images that are in that sound category. And it basically decides from a machine learning standpoint, if the sound looks similar enough to another sound and then it would create that there's a prediction and it would match that sound essentially into that category. Um, so this is essentially how it would do it for brand new sounds, because mm-hmm. as we know, you can train your um, machine learning, but the more data you have, the more accurate you become. Um, this is an example I use frequently, but, you know, if you think about it, if you teach a machine learning model that a dog is what a chihuahua sounds like, when you show it a husky, it's never going to know that that's a dog. No. So it's really important that you kind of hit that swath of data that you get, you know, every type of glass breaking on a car, on a window, in your bathroom mirror. Um, because otherwise it's not going to know obviously what it hasn't learned. Um, so training the model is extremely important. So it was important that we had a huge data source to, um, include in C sound to make it accurate. But essentially once it's put it into the bucket, um, and it's compared it into the category, it's going to give us a prediction percentage. So it's going to tell us not only, Hey, water's running, but it's going to tell us we're pretty much 92% sure that we're correct based on the information that we have and the comparison that we've made. Mm. You know, that was really important. You know, there's, there obviously is a margin of error and we need to know um, from a testing perspective, what, you know, how, how uh, likely and what's our confidence interval for that. Mm. So that was an important aspect of it as well. And then obviously once it hits your phone and hits into the app, it sends it out to notification on your smart devices so that at any time, you know, on your smartwatch, on your phone, tablet, um, you would be notified in real time. Mm. Wow. And, in a nutshell, I'm just going to um, take all that, hold that in. It's incredible, um, Kristen. Just, just going to just going to ask a question around. Just thinking while you're talking about that, um, Corin, just the the you know when your husband was asleep, how would you? Because it's something that you see. How would you know when the bookshelf would fold had fallen down? Like, is it is it is there a device that then is, goes on your wrist like that that can, can vibrate or something or is, is it, what would wake you up in that situation? Yes. So, so again, going back to integrating with smart devices, um, this would also include smart lights, which are extremely common in deaf homes. It's, yes. Um, it's honestly been life changing in my home because it's the first time I've ever been able to essentially like flick a light on without visual, like physically getting up and turning on a light to get his attention. So yeah. if I'm ever stranded on the toilet without toilet paper, I can oh finally send like an SOS signal somewhere. <laughs> like life changing. There's a lot happening but, in your bathroom. I know. I know. <laughs> bathroom is a sacred place. <laughs> a lot of situations. <laughs> um, just on that too, just wondering, because obviously it's what you're talking about right now is predominantly based around the home. Uh, which we do spend a lot of our time. But what happens when you, is it mobile? Can you take it to like a, uh, an, an Airbnb or a hotel or is it transportable? I don't see why it couldn't be transportable because that is something that we brought up when we were discussing like all of like the like um, potential uh, obstacles with the this product. I mean, essentially, your your phone's connected to a device, and no matter where that device is, it'll they will always communicate to each other. So there's no reason why you couldn't take these devices with you. And honestly, that's I think a great idea for like a campaign too. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, you would just need to connect it into the Wi-Fi for wherever you were at. So there would essentially be another setup process. Um, but as of right now, we've been focusing primarily on keeping it in the home that it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, cause once you set the device up, you essentially name it after the room it's in similar to how you would set up an Apple TV. 
Um, and then essentially when it reports, it tells you where it's coming from. Um, mm. But yeah, essentially you could just wipe it out and plug it into a different home and you would essentially just set it up in the same way. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason that you can't make it portable. Um, another thing too is that because it's connected from a phone system, um, there when you leave your home, you would still get notifications of things happening in your home when you aren't there. You know, so for instance, if a pipe were to burst, right, and start flooding into your living room, then potentially you would be notified. And, mm. you know, that's something that even I would want, you know, yeah, without, having, for everybody. Uh, yeah, without yeah. having any deaf, uh, people in my household. Yeah. So that's another benefit of the product in itself. It doesn't, obviously, you don't need to be home to receive any notifications. You can get them at any time. And what about if, I mean, we, we've had huge uh, fires here. Um, and, and then after that massive flooding, and there's been huge power outage uh, across Australia. What happens in a situation where the power's out? Does it ha- does it still work? Because obviously a phone, uh, a mobile phone would still work because it's you know, they they. they I mean, your, your phone would work. Yeah, I mean that's a really good question. I don't think yeah. we've ever really discussed scenarios and power outages. Yeah, I think I always I played devil's advocate. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's very fair. I do think that we've actually had conversations with our developer about that. We think we talked about building in sort of an extended battery life. So essentially it would live for a, a you know extended period of time. Um, but to, to what extent yeah. we haven't gotten into quite yet. Um, it's probably whatever is feasible for that machine. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's also going to depend on the backup generator yeah. that you have. Yeah. But I would say there. like in a scenario in which all your power is going out, then you're kind of in an oh shit scenario to begin with. And yeah. so... At least you're aware of that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely power operated, but I think to that point we have been you know in talks about whether or not we create sort of an extended battery life situation if something were to happen. Mm. But um, yeah. yeah, have you seen those new device uh, it's, it's new apps? I guess you can get for your your phone now, which is um, uh, it it, it translates language for you live. We're talking to somebody, it changed into language yeah. that you can yeah. read. I mean, that was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe that's something mm-hmm. similar could, could happen with this on, on, as a mobile, as, you, as you're yeah, going around. Because if you're, you know, you're deaf, you're not just deaf at home. Um, you're deaf everywhere you absolutely. go. Absolutely. Oh, um, yeah. But, I mean, the Wavio guys have actually developed a little app that um, allows, uh, essentially works like that, but it's set up to be a quick little conversational app for a deaf person talking with a hearing person ah. so they would speak into the phone it translates everything and then they can wipe it clean and type back mm-hmm. yeah. and also i mean not only that but they're working on um or they've just released weavy which is essentially a portable translator um so it allows translation to be a lot more easily um pulled up and established you can imagine at any time business meetings or otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you might need to communicate with someone who doesn't know sign. It's, you know, very common and not a lot of people do, even though it's a very uh, telegraphic language. Yeah. So those are some, yeah, incredible technologies that are out there. And, you know, transcription is sort of like a, a no brainer for us too. something we definitely want to integrate into ours, but there's a lot of apps that are already doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can imagine being incredibly complicated. How long ago did you start this project? A while ago now. I mean, it seems like forever. Because <laughs> we're still, I mean, we're still in it, I think, you know? I mean, yeah, of course. what started as an idea, so, I mean, I mean, months and months and months. I mean, it's been over, I mean, we, we rolled this out, right? We rolled this out last year, early last year, mm-hmm. um, where we started beta testing and our Apple testing and beta testing. And I mean, right now we're on the precipice of actual launch, which is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we're working toward now is, you know, not only is it an idea anymore, it's not just the concept, but it's actually going to be a product. Um, so it feels like it's really taken on a life of its own since we started it, you know, as it was, you know, an initial nugget of an idea of Kristen being mad at home that she couldn't yell when that's she stopped her toy. Toy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> stuck in the bathroom. Oh, damn. Yes. Um, yeah, but I mean, we we spent so so much time on it even before it came to market, and like Wavio has spent so much time, you know, working so hard to not only establish, you know, all of the relationships that we have, and you know, talking with nationally ranked staff organizations to kind of make sure that we have the foundation for launch to reach as many consumers as we possibly can. Um, and I know in tandem, we're also speaking with, you know, government entities to, you know, uh, the goal for everybody, right, is to get it on um, ADA, mm-hmm. to get a government sponsored um, so that, you know, no one would have to cover the cost. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, my, I remember thinking about my, my grandfather was, um, 
well, as he got older, became more and more deaf. Uh, my dad has a hearing aid, and I've, I've now just found out I've got one ear's 50% hearing, which is frustrating. Um, wow. Uh, but it's, I get incredibly frustrated with, <laughs> with my dad. I think that's probably normal in, in lots of ways. Um, but it's interesting because it's the, uh, and he feels bad as hell. You know, he's frustrated. He's frustrated right. that he can't hear. I mean, he's not deaf, of course, totally deaf, but he's, his hearing's been affected through, um, I guess, age. Um, and it's kind of, it's a two-way thing, isn't it? It's not just for the person who um, has the hearing um, issues. It's more, it, it's equally the, 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 uh, the people who, who are perfectly um, can hear, but trying to communicate uh, to the other person. So there's a lot of, um, yeah. and I see it as quite a common thing, how people get frustrated that they have to they have to raise their voice or repeat themselves or mm-hmm. um, I guess in, in, in for a lot of people are pretty intolerant um, maybe it's just a recent thing in this day and age where you know life is so fast etc but I can just kind of see that there's obviously that this type of work that you're doing is helping um, you know the whole world in a way um, to be more um, in tune or connected. Uh, to what is what is going on and, cl- and, and clearer communication, etc. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the idea about having equal access to sound is like funny concept, but because it's so simple. But how how can you give everyone equal ac- access to sound to yeah. alleviate that that frustration? Yeah. Is that a sound effect in the background? Is that um, a real police? Oh, it's it's New York. It's New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Um, There's so this, always sirens. So this isn't your day job either, is it? This this project. No, no, it's part of our day job. But no, our day job, we you know we work in advertising. We have separate clients um, with that are very needy. But um, this is what we keep working on in all of our free time and along the side. Yeah, I mean our our day to day job keeps us very busy. You know, to Kristen's point and is a separate challenge in itself. And I think as Kristen mentioned at the beginning of the call, our agency always tasks us to step outside that and said, you know, with no boundaries, with no limits, what would be an idea that you can solve and what's an insight that you can operate on. And it's a really exciting, you know, creative challenge for ourselves to sit back and think, how do we really change the perception on something that's out there now? And a lot of times we think in print ads and a lot of times we think in sort of experiential ideas and, you know, what's really the way to drive the needle. And every once in a while we think of innovation, but it's not very often in this space that Mm. people are coming up with products. And so Mm. it's been a very interesting road, I think, not only for us, but for the agency in itself of, you know, now that we're entering into sort of a new, a new way to do business and a new way to pull in revenue. um, And, turning our ideas not only just into um, something that can change the life of a brand, but, you know, also really be something that we can launch. Mm. And I think, you know, at the core of it, products are advertising, you know, they are doing something for a company. They're advertising a company and their skills and their technological prowess. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been a really, it's been a really interesting road, I think, for us to kind of use our thinking that's kind of next level advertising, I guess, you know, looking mm-hmm. ahead at not only creating um, great advertisements, but great products to make advertisements for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, w- we're trying to invent our next jobs. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the time we're making is- our own clients and yeah. our own products. <laughs> yeah. The time is right to do that. I mean, a lot of companies are doing this now and I really, I think it's fantastic that the company's allowing uh, or encouraging people to come up with ideas that are about kind of, you know, helping the world, you know, putting your incredible talents together for self-initiated uh, ideas. Um, you really see some real momentum around that, which I think is exciting. I mean, in fact, the whole Impact Awards is predominantly that. Absolutely. I mean, we, we kind of call them passion projects internally, yeah. you know, because that's until they become, you know, clients in themselves or until we can sell them into a client, essentially it's something that you're doing on your own time. Um, and that's also sort of the challenge of getting people involved mm-hmm. because obviously if it's our idea and we're super passionate about it, we want to do it. But like we said with C-Sound, we were nowhere near technologically smart enough to be able to pull this off alone um, or to be able to manage our own time and projects 
on this in addition to everything that we were already doing. Mm. Um, so we needed other people. We need to convince other people that they cared as much as us. And I mean, we, uh, you know, we're very fortunate, I think, to have people who bent over backwards and worked over holiday breaks and spent their weekends with us kind of grinding because I think we really all believed in it. Um, and that's kind of what drove us at the end of the day. You know, it's not easy to put in, you know, two 40 hour work weeks in the same week. Um, but it's worth it when you got a great team and when you um, are all, you know, working toward a greater goal. And everyone that from the deaf community that were so willing to give us feedback and really important, just, uh, yeah, just, just insight and direction because, you know, we were trying to stay very, uh, conscious of the fact that we are, you know, we're, we're trying to solve a problem to hearing girls solving a deaf problem. You know, mm -hmm. this, we're, we're essentially like, we're working with an entire community of people that, um, that we don't want to offend. We don't want to say mm -hmm. anything wrong. We don't want to depict them as helpless. You know, I mean, obviously like I've never seen my husband as a helpless human being, um, it's just, you know, we see that there is an unfortunate disadvantage and that there is a way to solve it with technology. Mm. Do you want to give a shout out to, um, any of the key people that were part of your team? Oh, geez. Oh gosh. Oh Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Maybe um, not. I mean, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just yeah. think because it yeah, is it is about the kind of collective efforts. I mean, you guys initiated the idea. It is. Um, but it's, it's like the, these ideas are often the thing is these projects, uh, not these specific projects, but us as, as creatives just generally are commissioned by a client to uh, to do, solve a problem right. in a certain period of time for a certain amount of budget, and, and then they will implement it. They'll make it all happen. And... Uh, in a way, that kind of helps us to be really focused on the creative ideas, and so we don't have to worry necessarily about how to bring it to the to the world. It's when we have these uh, self-initiated projects that are actually going, okay, oh, this is a brilliant idea, and uh, how the hell are we going to make it work? You know, how who, who do we know, and who who can we bring in, and uh, are we being kind of like, are we just kind of dreaming, and should we just get back to our uh, clients? You know what I mean? Um, so. Uh, it, the, the the beauty of this uh, and the other, other people that I've been talking to on this uh, the impact awards is of big ideas that actually are either have been realized um, against all odds uh, or ideas that are kind of big ideas that are actually on their way to being realized and it's just fantastic to see I guess uh, an understanding of how to bring these ideas to life who who they need being much more entrepreneurial probably than they normally are in there uh, when they're working for clients etc but um, I think this the people around you that kind of you help kind of find and kind of bring into the project and their um, their blood, sweat, and tears as well is really um, is worth a, a note as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I would say, like, you know, our developer was a key player in this whole project. Um, Aaron Stack was like, without him, we wouldn't have been able to take the first step. Yeah, I mean, he was an he's an incredible technological thinker and a problem solver, like unlike anyone I've ever seen. I think you know everything we brought to him was it's possible, it's possible, I can do it. And I think that's a person with the right attitude for our project. You know, had we had someone who wasn't willing to take the time or to make it great, I think we would have ended up with a very different product and probably not one who would have achieved this much success. Yeah. Um, and you know, Aaron and Bill from our development team, Kristen Braun. On our account team, we had, you know, incredible IPs, Jen Ma, and we had Jane Kim. We have, you know, incredible people who worked under us, Evan Schmidt, who we gave 75 icons in one week to create. You know, I mean, we worked <laughs> under incredible timelines, um, asked people to work way outside of their roles mm -hmm. um, in order to deliver things um, and, you know, glue things and 3D print yeah. things. We had people who worked, you know, on the form factor for us. And people, we called in incredible favors and, you know, we are now able to sort of pay back those favors, which is, you know, an incredible thing. And it's really important to us, I think, from the get go that we were all very aligned from the beginning that we needed to do this product. You know, like I think sometimes when it comes to corporate America and it comes to big business, especially in advertising agencies with holding yeah. companies, et cetera, you know, you might get, lose sight of why we're doing it, you know, or you might get lost in sort of the, uh, 
the technicalities of it and you know is it just for awards and you hear that all the time you know yeah. we didn't want to be a gimmick and that was something so yeah. important to us from the very beginning that if we were going to go out there and put our name on this that we wanted to submit to awards not for the awards or the honors but because winning those awards would rocket wavio you know into the competition alongside microsoft alongside google and that those were companies that wavio beat out at can you know to win mm. and this award is an incredible award you know among so many people here too where like wavio was never even on the table before and yeah. the kind of awards what they did for wavio was really what we were looking for and when we partnered with them in the beginning we had said to them you know hey we're you know we're two random girls we're trying to enter into a partnership with you why should you believe us we don't know but i hope that you you know hear the honesty and like that we're not out to sort of you know compete in any way or railroad you guys like we want to you know enter into a really compatible partnership and we had said to them if we want to get you guys on the biggest global stage we want to get you out there with the likes of your competitors um and right now you know you guys no one knows who you are and you know that's that's a shame and i think that's what we did and it's been sort of an incredible time not only for you know us as a whole collective internally but also for wavio to be able to finally get the recognition that they deserve for the incredible work they're doing how did they respond to you uh you know you coming in and presenting that were I they, mean, were they sold right away or were they like skeptical or how did they react? I, I, I think they were probably a little skeptical at first because we kind of just fell out of the sky for them. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. And, yeah. And, you know, we basically told them, you know, we got this, we got a, a, you know, a really great product and we, we need a, we need partnership and we need someone to help us like validate that, you know, this is, this is indeed, uh, solving a true problem and there it wouldn't have made sense to partner with anyone else other than them um yeah i mean you also have to think about like optically we had been working on both the hardware and software internally at agency and you know we had been like cruising along we were far down the road we had been working on this for a while and you know all of a sudden through our connections you know in the deaf community and rit we all of a sudden found out about another company working on a similar solution, but in the software space specifically. Uh -huh. And, you know, me and Kristen, of course, have a panic moment. We had done all of this research, you know, prior to even kicking this off, prior to getting it, you know, talking it up to our bosses, to their bosses, you know, getting the sort of buy-in that we could do this. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden we find out that there's potentially another player. Um, and so we sat down with our, you know, CCO and basically told him about it. And he said, we are not the company who is going to steamroll, you know, a deaf tech company with three guys who have been working on this, you know, either we get them on the phone and we partner or our project dies. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think that just kind of speaks to how small of a company Wavio was in the sense of like, they weren't marketing themselves. They weren't advertising anything they were working on. So they were, we were basically working in silos, but working for a very similar goal. So yeah. when we finally got them on the phone and expressed sort of where we were coming from and the fact that we wanted to sort of enter into a partnership, we said, you know, if you guys say no, we, we'll, we'll bow out gracefully because, you know, you're working in the space from a software standpoint already, but you know, wouldn't it be amazing if we could put our collective efforts together, get to the end goal faster and, you know, have this amazing collaborative process um, during the whole thing. And I mean, I think while they were skeptical in the upfront, I think that they were very trusting and kind of heard, you know, where we were coming from and kind of what we could do for them. And luckily, um, since the deaf community is a small community and yeah. they, we had a lot of affiliated friends, it was, yeah. it, I think it, it also, you know, uh, made our connection a lot more valid yeah and i so, guess i guess years of um being in advertising you're very good at you develop uh, real strength in pitching and winning uh, you know, <laughs> convincing yeah. people selling our cape, selling our cape. <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean we've we've talked about it since then with wavio you know it's sort of this moment of where the stars align you know i think as we've clearly said already, they were not marketing, they were not advertising themselves very well. So like that's a strength that we have. And, you know, the design and like the hardware and all that stuff that we brought to the table, and, you know, combining with this like core idea and like the, the way the software works and things like that was sort of this amazing um, mesh of ideas. And we really, I think, both brought to the table something that each other needed. Mm -hmm. um, and like Kristen mentioned, it was super important that we, um, had the credibility and had that, you know, 
connection into the community that even though Chris, uh, Kristen's husband was deaf, it, it didn't feel right to still be two hearing girls out there basically dictating to a deaf mm. community what they needed. Mm-hmm. So I think that we really felt uncomfortable, even though we believed in the idea so much until Wavios came on board, because it really helped us um, feel like, uh, yeah, the partnership was legitimate and that it, you know, made sense. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did I feel in, you know, when, because obviously you're still working in your advertising job uh, each day. Um, how did it feel when this this project becomes such a uh, you know you're breaking through and you start to make some progress and you get more and more momentum around it? How did it feel like trying to kind of fit the other <laughs> the client work in as well? Because did it feel like you wanted to just work more on C Sound? Uh, every day, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's probably the most frustrating you know part of our job. But I mean, at this point, it's it's. You know, we're just being patient. We're we're being conscious about you know how much where we're spending our budgets and how much time we're putting towards different you know parts of our projects to get this rolled out. Um, but but yeah, like we just we keep an eye on you know the the potential of having this this, this be like our full time job. Like that mm. would be so exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think to Kristen's point, and there's definitely a little bit of a shock value, right? You're we're like inventing a product over here in the tech space. And then all of a sudden we have to go do banner ads. Yeah. So it's a little, a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a downfall from that standpoint, but you know, there's, there's interesting aspects to the jobs that we do from a day-to-day standpoint as well. But I would say that they're few and far between um, that you find something, you know, that you really want to work on um, outside mm-hmm. of just like the, you know, the block and tackle and the daily, you know, tactical stuff. Um, so having this was kind of a reprieve, if you want to say from, having something that like really drove you, you know, and it reminded you of why we work in advertising in the first place. Yeah. 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 I mean, a big part of, uh, obviously, you know, I, I have a creative company here as well, but the big thing is around coming up with ideas, of course. Um, and, and often it's obviously majority of the time it's in response to a client's, uh, needs, a client's kind of, uh, approaches us and gives us a brief, et cetera. So there's a real kind of like passion around, Oh my God, we, you know, your whole, the whole team gets excited. You can't sleep, and, and you're thinking of ideas. And um, sometimes, uh, not all the time, but sometimes the client doesn't see the value in the idea. Sometimes the thing that you go, "Oh my God, this is the if this is my company, this is what I would do. It's be incredible. It's a game changer kind of thing." Sometimes the clients just want you to do something a lot less, well, a more compromised um, solution. Um, do you have that happening often in in advertising? I mean, <laughs> uh, not all the time, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, yes. Uh, you know, trying to to manage like what your goals as a creative and also what your clients' goals are um, is a regular challenge that you know we face all the time. Um, and yet, you know, I think like. It, it all goes down to your work ethics and your drive and owning the projects that you want to, yeah, yeah. you want to, you know, have your name put on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess I was just going to say uh, uh, around, do you think the clients really truly v- understand the value of your, of your thinking? Um, I, I, I sometimes kind of wonder, um, not all of them. I, I mean, we have a lot of phenomenal clients and we've had many great clients uh, now and over the years, but it's when you're doing something which you don't have any uh, restraints on. When, you, when a client comes in and says, look, this is my issue, this is my opportunity, this is what I want to talk to you about, how might you kind of, you know, think about how would you come with ideas to kind of um, take me to the level that I'm aiming for. In that situation, it's almost like having your own self-initiated project where you go, well, you know, there's nobody else mm-hmm. involved in this. I have no parameters. I, I start to kind of look for some parameters. I need something to kind of uh, hold it together. Or some barriers, um, you know. Um, but I find that, like, when you can work on a project which you totally feel with your whole body, uh, and you live and breathing it every day, the, the 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 feeling around, you know, bringing that to life is just like the ultimate uh, against the odds. Because everyone's in the background going, "Oh, what are you doing that for? You're getting distracted. Get back to your day job. Oh, that's not. You shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. That's like." You know, you you never done that before. You know, there's a lot of people out there who can talk you out of doing things as well, which is phenomenally frustrating. I don't know if you guys experienced that. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I also think, you know, consumer advertising has its perks in the sense that you don't have as many like restrictions and legally, like legally restricted to do things. Um, and I think, you know, working in healthcare advertising, it's a little bit of more of a struggle, I would say, to be more creative because you're constantly pushing the boundaries and you have, you know, a group of people who are telling you that gets too far. Um, where in consumer, you don't have as many boundaries. Um, so I think, you know, it is, it can be an exciting challenge in the sense of pushing yourself and pushing your creative boundaries. Um, but, I, you know, I can completely agree with you in the sense of saying, like, that also means that it comes with a lot of um, restrictions, right? It comes with people who tell you that you can't do things or the website has to be laid out in a certain template or mm-hmm. it has to, you know, fit into a certain format that we've done before. And, yeah. you know, I think it's, Healthcare, unfortunately, is probably 10 years behind consumer advertising. So it's people are technically more comfortable to look, you know, the person to their right and say, hey, I want just what they got because they didn't get a letter for it. You know, they didn't Mm. get anything from the FDA. Um, So it does become a bit of a challenge and it can be discouraging, I think, as you create ideas because, you know, you can see the value and you can see the splash and like how cool it could be. Um, And Mm. I think sometimes people are just hesitant, um, which could come from being scared as well, but hesitant to kind of be avant-garde. Um, where when it comes to here, yeah, I completely agree. Rains are off, long leash. Yeah. You know, we have Wavio has been so amazing at letting us sort of explore and run with ideas that we have um, yeah. and kind of trusting us that we have the best interest of the product in mind. Um, yeah. And that's been a very rewarding um, opportunity to work on for sure. How did you both start out? Did you go to like uh, design school or advertising school? Uh, I went to graphic design school uh, in Rochester, New York, RIT. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's, it's actually where I, I met my husband because that college is, uh, has an affiliated deaf college on campus. So all of our classes were integrated with deaf students and, um, and honestly, that's the, the connection that, uh, I have with the Wavio team is they're also RIT oh, alumni. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And then. I came out of Purdue University, but I studied writing and photography, so art-based, writing-based, yeah. but, you know, neither of us were in tech. Mm. Or in healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> we just kind of fell there. And, how, and then each of you, how did you, what was your first role in the industry? Oh, boy. My first role? Um, ooh. You know, just a sad graphic designer doing flash <laughs> banner ads for like sad graphic you know, designer. Bars. That's terrible. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Sam. I mean, I came in as a junior copywriter. I started in the industry, so I started in healthcare advertising, and I've never left. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, I did. I do. Yeah, I do find that I like the science side of things because I think, and it's the same reason that me and Kristen connect on a lot of things as well. But we both find value in helping people. And like yeah, that's, I think, absolutely. what's the really amazing benefit of healthcare advertising that, you know, some days it's frustrating and some days you have to add in a bunch of text that you don't want to add. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're potentially doing something for somebody else and helping, you know, promote a product that is really changing the lives of people. So yeah. I think that's been something super fulfilling. And I've found that it's been a really great career path. Yeah. And I've, I've had background in doing products in healthcare. Like when I started out, um, uh, it was mostly in branding for um, medical devices out of San Francisco. And then from there, I fell into healthcare advertising. Ah. That's interesting that you both end up in that, in that sector. Um, it's in, especially now where the world is so much focused now, as it should be, on, on well-being. Um, huge uh, shift, I think, isn't there around the world in terms of, uh, you know, being a sustainable person, being focused on your your well being, and and I and I have actually, you know, had a lot of therapy over the years, and uh, I, I um, realized quite a while back that I, my purpose in life is to help people, and I just I thought it was to design great things, but really it's actually about helping people. Um, you know, I could have been Definitely. a doctor or done something else, I guess, and equally been helping people. But the, the fulfillment for me is helping individuals and organizations to be the best they can be. I, I, really, I really feel that. And every day I feel motivated um, not just to do a job, but to actually make a difference to, um, to the situation. So uh, it's great that you work in specifically in the healthcare uh, sector. Um, and I think it's massively admirable that you... Uh, You've done C-Sound, and um, you could have given up halfway through it and going, this is too hard, but you persevered, and it's, and it's really, really cool. 
So congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely a uh, quite the feat. <laughs> yeah. And I guess yeah, the, I mean, I think you go. Uh, I was just I think you know we've we've really learned so much um, about not only you know ourselves and what we're capable of, but also just like so much about a whole sector of information that we've never really been privy to, mm. and it's been a really rewarding and like from a career growth standpoint, like I think really, you know, rewarding for both of us in that, in that sense. Um, and just, you know, an incredible opportunity. And I think like the more I'm speaking for like myself, but I think the more that I've grown up and sort of like grown into the industry, there's kind of two different ways people go. There's people who like, you know, want to cash in and cash out every day. And then there's people who like really kind of dig in. And I think I've been very fortunate, you know, to have Kristen on the team and that we both feel the same way and kind of fight for the things that we want and both willing to kind of put in the work to get a great product out of it. Um, even if it means that we don't really know what we're doing from day one and <laughs> haven't slept, you know, from day <laughs> since day one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Has that bookshop been fixed? <laughs> oh, it's, no, we'd never put it back up. <laughs> <laughs> we moved house. Um, I was just going to say, do you, did you, you been two been working closely together for a number of years now? Oh, I think, uh, one year now, right? Oh, okay. a, little, a little over a year. Maybe more. Well, maybe more than that. Honestly, it's a little bit of a whirlwind. Um, but we actually hadn't been partnered for too long. And I don't exactly know the, the time frame, but before the idea conception sort of began, yeah. we started talking about it. We're both very competitive. And so <laughs> we both really, really, really wanted to pitch a big idea. So uh-huh. we would have figured something out. Did you have, <laughs> oh, yeah, did you have yeah. different ideas? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have a couple. In we the, got, in we the got pipeline. a bad pocket of ideas. <laughs> we just, we now have a little bit of wisdom and foresight as to what kind of ideas get us into how much work and yeah. what we're willing to take on at any Fantastic. moment of time. So <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, we're smarter. But I guess, yeah, I, I guess equally you've been a, you're gaining confidence as you go with this, right? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I think like we, we're very compatible, which is, I think, I mean, change the dynamic of what this project could have been like, but I mean, as, as you know, you may know in advertising, things can get very difficult if you and your partner don't really get along or if you don't see things the same. Or, and I think me and Kristen, yeah, yeah, me and Kristen, I think are opposites attract. Um, I think we're, we're on a similar side of the spectrum and like being organized and being hardworking, but I think we think in very different ways. And I think that's what helps us, you know, the same way it would attract people to like a romantic relationship. It's the same thing that I think, you know, is our compatibility as well in the sense of, Kristen thinks different things than I do. So we can kind of come to different conclusions. We can push each other in different directions and rein each other in when we need to. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been an amazingly lucrative partnership because of it. And I think sometimes we find ourselves pinching ourselves to be like, did we really just like win that? Or did we really just like get something in our archive stuff that we never before had thought was possible or like have done before. Um, And we're doing it, you know, and I think we've both been like inspired by each other and like Mm. willing to sort of work hard, to not let each other down. Yeah. Do you think it's actually through through you know working together like this and coming through this project uh, with success as you have? Do you think this is going to elevated your um, your success and approach on on the client projects? I mean, I hope we're taken a little bit more seriously whenever we pitch an idea. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, I would take yeah, you very I, seriously. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, I mean, it strengthened our relationship, which, you know, leading leading a team and helping, you know, lead a group of people, it makes us more confident. It helps us split mm-hmm. tasks. Yeah. I mean, I people think people want to work with us. Yeah, yeah. people want to work with us because I think, you know, obviously we put our money where our mouth was a little bit yeah. and kind of showed what we're made of. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely helped us take a more confident approach, I think, to our day-to-day work lives and, you know, be more self-assured. I think it's hard to sort of feel confident when you don't really have anything under your belt or you kind of feel as if um, you don't have anything to show for it, I suppose, yeah. or like, you know, or seen or be a part of an experience from like, yeah, complete, you know, infancy to Absolutely. The, the, the final like realization of it. And 
Right. And I mean, in, in brand work, right, in advertising, there's so many times that you'll come on to a brand that's already been developed and you're just basically executing what someone else decided two years yeah, ago. Yeah. You know, you're coming into a campaign, you're not really being able to have it from its genesis. So it's hard to feel, you know, the ownership behind that or it's yeah. hard to sort of take liberties, right? Once everything's sort of set in stone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a big growing experience that I think has not only reverberated into like our client work, but I think in my personal life. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was just going to say, it, it's incredible, isn't it? When you have, when you work on a project for, for a good purpose, how many people around you want to kind of join forces and make it happen. Mm -hmm. it, it energizes yeah. everybody, doesn't it? I, th I think that's incredible. Yeah. That, that, that kind of uh, generosity of spirit. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, it's so heartwarming when you hear of, you know, of a, someone that, someone just comes up to you, you don't know who they are, but they, they know who you are and they, you know, are very, you know, inspired by your work and they just can't help themselves, but say something about that. Like that's mm -hmm. such a humbling and so cool and something I never thought I would ever experience. Yeah. yeah I, I completely agree. I think it's been a very humbling experience and I, I still feel like we didn't, I don't know. I still feel like to some extent, like it's been this like dream, you know, that like, we're still just two girls from the Midwest who just, you know, are goofy and funny and like, you know, we're ACDs now, but we're still just who we are as people. And so I feel like, you know, sometimes as people rise in the ranks here, there tends to be some big headedness and people who kind of think that, that, you know, they're greater or they have like the best and they are the best. Mm. And I think that it kind of creates like unrealistic standards. And I think we've been trying to stay very true and like not really let anything go to our heads. And it kind of just drives us to have the next good idea. You know, what other problems can we solve now? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think a lot of um, creative people, uh, you know, a lot of people have egos as, as we need in ego, Absolutely. but sometimes they get out of proportion with reality. Um, and in a way, just dictate to clients what they're going to have. Um, and not necessarily, the difference of the project like what you're talking about, the C-Sound, is actually you're doing something which you feel from the heart and you're doing something which is adding a, adding real value to the world. Um, it's not ripping people off. It's not misleading people. It's actually creating something which is, people go, oh my God, that's a brilliant idea. I want to be part of it. That's what the world needs. And it's that kind of giving, that generosity uh, it, which is, um, it makes you feel great and it makes uh, everybody around you feel good. I think that was really cool what you said about Wavio because I think, you know, you said that, oh my God, there's someone else like working on something similar. For some people just go, oh, that's it then. They've got much, they're, they're a company that does this. They've got much more money and momentum. They, they beat us, to, they'll, they'll do it before we get done. I thought it was really cool that you decided to kind of like go see them and join forces with them. Uh, that's really great advice. Um, you know, if if you, even around your competitors, just go. You know, actually get friendly with your competitors, or or people who are like minded, or people who are having similar kind of passions and ideas, and just be more sh focused on sharing. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like sometimes people get so focused on yeah, like the glory, like we kind of mentioned earlier, that I think it can detract. And I think what we wanted wasn't that. And I think that's clear in sort of how we've operated the whole time, but we didn't want that. We wanted the product. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we were like, what's the best way to get that? And the best way to get that was to have a partnership mm. um, and make this a reality together. So Wavio, you're doing an amazing job. We see you let us give you our resources to help push it further and push it faster. Um, and, you know, they had been working for a long time on developing software and, you know, we were really pushing them into working on a hardware solution, you know, and something that we could get out to market. Yeah. I wonder if you, if they had, what if they had said no to you, would you have sued them? <laughs> or would you have uh, <laughs> parked the whole idea? No, I mean, that would have been the end. That would have been the end, honestly. We, yeah. we would have probably cried a little and then, <laughs> Oh. Yeah, had yeah, a moment of silence. Stare at a wall somewhere. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it would have been absolutely <laughs> devastating. I mean, for us and for the whole team, working so hard and believing in something. And then, you know, I think me and Kristen I had, a, had a weekend, basically a panic, where we really thought that this this was over and yeah. that all the stuff that we had done and all the work we had put in the branding, the uh. logo, like, like the form factor, everything that we had done yeah. was going to be for naught, you know? And, and 
I think Wavio was all within their right to say that, yeah. to say no. And like we gave them that opportunity and luckily that wasn't the way it came out, but it very well oh, could have been an alternate reality. Did you did you say did they, did you meet with them and said leave it with us, <laughs> we'll get back to you? Was it, was it one of those moments? I mean, I think from the beginning we knew we needed each other. Okay. You know, well, like yeah. yeah, yeah, we needed we both needed each other, and I think that it came through on that call. And then I, I mean, we met for the first time a couple of months after we you know started working together, and it was kind of a really. Fun. It was like old friends all yeah. of a sudden. Like we've never met before, but you know, yeah. the moment that we were all in the same room, it was Amazing. just like, yeah, Amazing. it was really, it was really fun. It I mean, was it was cool. a really, really cool experience. I mean, none that I've had with any client that we've had previously. And we kind of call them clients because yeah. we know that that's kind of what the trajectory is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible relationship. Yeah, it's cool. There's, there's, there's a guy called Rob who has a company here in Australia, a production company called Finch, who's actually one of the winners as well. Uh, he developed this idea called the Lion Share, which um, I've done a podcast with him last week. Um, and and he, Mars, uh, he went to sell it to Mars in, in, in America. And the head guy at Mars said, okay, look, we're in if you go, if you can get the UN to back it. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, holy cow. It was hard enough to get to Mars in the first place. Uh, and then it was just like, <laughs> he, he was at the moment where he was about to give up, um, I think. And he just said, look, yeah. oh God, what have I got to lose? Um, and he managed to get through. And, and, you know, it's just that kind of perseverance. And Yeah, you got to push. It's, yeah, what, perseverance, it's what it takes yeah. to bring these ideas to life, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was many times that it could have been, I think, a worse version of what it ended up being. And yeah. I think... We have to credit our, you know, CCO Tim for really pushing us. You know, I think there was many times that we were burnt out. And I think in the heat of it, right, when you have so much going on and you're juggling so many different aspects of it, you know, it's hard for you to kind of take a step back and say, hey, are we making the right move? Because things are moving so fast. You want to get them done. I think Tim was a really great North Star for us this whole time, you know, to help us and you know, some days we were mad about his feedback, but every time we walked out of there, we said, he's right. You know, he's right, and we can do it better, and we're going to do it right because we got one shot. We got one shot to bring it to market, yeah. and we knew that everything had to be, you know, thought through thoroughly so that when we got down to the point that we're ready to push into manufacturing, that we didn't have to double back. We didn't have to change how it looked. We didn't, you know, we had thought all of it through yeah. um, so that we really had done a comprehensive view of the, um, of the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I, again, it's, it's editing, it's self-editing, it's understanding when the feedback needs to be incorporated and understanding when, you know, it doesn't. And we were very fortunate to have a lot of people who, um, we're able to kind of speak with us and, you know, consult essentially on this journey um, to get us to the best possible outcome. Did the, did the, the, did the CFO get involved? Hey ladies, um, you got to really wrap <laughs> this up. You're bankrupting us here, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we went, I mean, we went up the chain. I wouldn't say oh. the CFO per se, but like we have the, uh. yeah, we have like the creative council, you know, that approves ideas because, if, you know, our CCO loves an idea, then he's got to get buy-in from them. And yeah, again, yeah. because we're funding, we're funding ourselves internally, yeah. um, at least, you know, on the upfront. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's all, that's part of the what-if process here too. Like there's obviously the idea is to create ideas we can sell into clients, but if it's an amazing enough idea and the agency is behind it enough and they will self-fund and that's kind of what we were here yeah, yeah. and what we're doing and we're moving toward, you know, obviously bringing Wavio in as a client. So we're creating a whole new stream of revenue um, with an idea that began as sort of an internal project. So really cool. Let's talk about your, your well-being because we talked about you helping others. How do you both, um, maybe both play tennis together or something, but uh, individually, <laughs> individually, how do you look after yourselves? Well, it's funny that you say tennis, <laughs> uh, but we, we both play volleyball together. Oh, okay. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, we're both into physical fitness and yeah. kind of, I love, we love team sports. We both also respect each other's like schedules. If someone's got to like hard stop at the end of the day or someone's got to like bail for something or maybe someone's, you know, husband's a little like, you know, wishing you would come home before yeah. like, you know, 11. 11. Um, yeah. 
then yeah, yeah we, we, we respect that. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of trust between us. You know, I think that we both know that Kristen can handle a meeting and I don't need to be there. And, you know, I trust that she'll get as much information out of it that I would get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helps kind of balance the workload of the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of work, I would say, like I said, opposite to track, like we mentioned earlier. So yeah, we couldn't I mean, be more different outside of work. Yeah, we play volleyball together, and that's pretty much the only thing that we probably share <laughs> from like a on opposite life. teams or like thrash each other. No, or? no, no, yeah. same team, oh, same, same team. Yeah. Okay, so right well, that's side, good. left side, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think that that's what makes us so successful yeah, yeah. is our differences. No, it's really interesting that it's been fantastic catching up with you, and thank you so much for your time. Uh, your project's absolutely incredible, and uh, I wish you all the best with that and, and uh, huge exposure that's coming your way. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been quite the, quite the experience. Yeah, and we hope that you'll be able to buy C-Sound soon. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Vince. Great talking to you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Designing Your Life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective. If you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring, please don't forget to review or subscribe.